Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Life Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation, where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. Good morning. All right, let me introduce you to my three experiments. So your experiments, by the way. This is my son, Alex, the oldest one. He just became an Eagle Scout. Yes! So proud of him. Um, So exciting. And my son, Blaze, with his luscious locks, which he likes to, girls to touch, which is kind of creepy. Anyway, (laughs) my daughter, Miley. Uh, It's so funny because I only wanted daughters, and God has a sense of humor, so I had two sons first because he knew what I needed to grow up and to become the kind of man that God wanted me to be. Um, and my daughter, if she had been born first, I don't think I'd be the same dad, and I'm so thankful for that. He knows the details. Just like I, I got married later in life, and today we're going to talk about how to date and marry well, a topic that I know is just fresh on your mind right now with finals and all the other stuff. Um, but it's a topic I love to talk about, um, and I want to use a picture, kind of a, a word picture here, not word picture, but just a, a symbol here of a bridge. For us to think about crossing this bridge, going from friendship and connecting to covenanting marriage. If you think of that process, obviously what we would want, we want one person to go across that bridge. That's what we would desire. For some of us, we actually have many people that begin that process. Um, Here's my beautiful bride and I. Um, I still can't believe it. I've been married 20 years, and it blows my mind to think of how I met her online, by the way, so there's hope. Um, and uh, we emailed for a week or two and then met, met in person the first time. First time I met her, I remember chewing her out for giving me her address. I was like, don't you give some creepy guy online your address. That's just weird. Didn't think I'd see her again, and 10 months later we were married. But where I'm finding the problem for some of us is our theology of marriage. Where do we start with this? So if you think of the second part, the covenanting, or kind of where our goal is, the beauty and purpose of marriage is critical. If we don't have a foundation in how we view marriage, we're just kind of going along with whatever happens, whatever emotions come along, whatever person comes along, and that scares me personally um, for you. So how do we get a foundation? Well, we go to God's Word. So we're going to start there for a few minutes, and we're going to look at some passages. Hebrews 13, 4, give honor to marriage. And remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. We have guidelines in Scripture that tell us where the boundaries are. We must know what those are. Uh, Proverbs 18.22, The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. Most of us will get married. Most of us will. I I thought God had abandoned me and had left me for dead, kind of in the background, and my late 20s, God opened that door, and it's, it's incredible. It's incredible to know that He is in charge of all those details. Proverbs 21.9, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. This is why I call this, this is about marrying well. Who you marry matters. Who you partner in life with matters. 
A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Again, who you partner with matters. This goes in business. This goes in especially life. The person you're going to bring in the closest to you to do life with really, really, really matters. And we're going to kind of build a picture of that here in just a minute. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. What is the definition of love? In our country, in our world right now, love is about a a feeling and it's kind of whatever goes, whatever floats your boat. It's not. Love is the cross. Love is dying for someone else. Love is sacrificial. It is about someone else. Most of us really are going to get married because we met someone who, you know what, they might make me happy. And then after the wedding, we realize, oh, wow, the calling is very opposite. My, My role is to serve you no matter what. For my wife and I, our first few years of marriage, many years of marriage, was me in and out of hospitals. It wasn't peachy wonderful. It was really difficult, especially for her. That's, that, that's marriage. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. Haven't you read the scripture? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female, design. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. We have a design. You have a design. God's created you for a purpose. And it's in marriage, it's this word here, covenanting. So if that's the goal, and again, not everyone here may have that as a goal. So if that's not on your radar, this is for you to learn about so you can guide others. You may not be someone who's going to get married or wants to get married but you're going to be in community with others that need a biblical view of how to go from single to married well. So, covenanting. Oh, yay, my favorite picture. Can't believe that's 20 years ago. Isn't she gorgeous? What is marriage? It's not just about a big wedding or beautiful whatever. It's life together. It's doing life together. And here's some reminders of some some, uh, points of what this is all about. Yes, it's about procreation, bringing children into this world. I call them my experiments because we'll see. (laughs) It's about pleasure, the beauty of the relationship. It's about protection of one another. It's about partnership and perseverance. There's a story being written in that relationship, which is critical. Now, how do we bring someone from friendship connecting to covenanting? Well, firstly, we have to start with myself. I had a journey that I had to go on of trying to figure out who I was that was a struggle. Lots of very lonely times, lots of heartache, um, a couple of suicide attempts. Um, God is good. At least I fail at some things. Um, and I, I didn't know what to do. Life was very difficult. I, was, I grew up in Chile, South America, had moved to America. This was a new, new country, new place, new people. Um, and struggling with who I am was actually... Uh, a part of that journey. What I had to learn was how could I expect someone to marry me if I didn't even like myself? That was a really difficult place for me. But also this other word, attraction. What am I attracted to? Honestly, one of the things that I believe about this word attraction is it's not necessarily good data. We need to be really careful about what we're attracted to or who we're attracted to. Because we almost define ourselves based off our attractions these days. 
What if we didn't? What if we set that aside and realized that God's got a call on my life for something much bigger than, than just attraction? It's an important piece, but it's not going to actually sustain much of anything. Because the truth is, is it will fade or that will fade or something will change and you'll find someone else and someone else and someone else. And that's not God's design at all. So when I was trying to figure out what this looked like, I came, up with, I came upon this book called Two Dates or Less. And I remember seeing the title of this going, how dumb is that? It's how can you know if someone's worth pursuing in two dates or less by Neil Clark Warren who founded eHarmony. Later on, he recoined the book and renamed the book Date or Soulmate. I didn't like that title either. Um, I don't like the word soulmate sometimes. But what do we do? How do we make this plan? What if you actually thought through the, abs- the minimal standards that you would have for who you would actually marry? What if? Let me give you kind of a list of some, some must-haves to start with. This isn't for, for all of us to have all on our list. Of this list, it's a place to start. Where would you, what would you put on your list? My wife, by the way, found my list one day, and it had other girls' names next to it. <laughs> this was a fun conversation. And, and then had her name, and she had all 20 checked off because... God, God's amazing. What if you actually had these absolutes, like that they're a believer, that they're on fire for Christ? But here's, how, here's some rules. These, these must-haves actually have to be absolutes. And I know it sounds weird to say it this way, but it's kind of, think of it like your shopping list. But here's what happens. It gets rid of some of the drama and trauma that comes from dating. Too many of you have been in a relationship for too long knowing you would never marry that person. And you need to break up. So what do you do with that? Why do we date? And I'm going to, again, give you this this language to really think about that because I think we date for dating's sake versus I am actually pursuing you with the intention of marriage and if that's actually off the table, then I... We need to be going separate ways. Then here's the other problem. I see some of you, the only way to break up with someone is actually to call them names and act like they're the most horrible person in the world. And it's like, wait a minute, you picked them. So that says a lot about you, so don't do that. (laughs) Instead, what if you actually went, you know what, God's calling us in different directions and that's great, that's wonderful. And his point with two dates or less is what if you could do that sooner than later where our hearts are not tied in a way that makes it really difficult for us to pull apart? What if you had on this can't stand list? What one if two or three of these really stood out to you as just absolute non-negotiables? Now I know for some of us we could actually pick 15, 20 of these and actually go, hey, and I'd add more to the list of absolutes. What if you could narrow it down and you thought through this, prayed through this? Which by the way, if you're trying to make your list and you're dating someone, you probably can't make it accurately. Because you're, you're using the person you're with as kind of this lens, and you have to be careful with that. But let me give you seven sig- significant um, um, similarities that are really important here. Do you have spiritual harmony? Desire for verbal intimacy and ability to be, to be intimate. Level of energy, ambition, expectations about roles, your interests, your personal habits. There are some things that actually, if you have these, It makes it a lot less difficult in terms of the start. Now, the sustainability beyond that is going to take work as well. And it's actually a beautiful, um, it's worth pursuing, let's just say. How do you discern good character? 
How do you know if someone actually is up to the task of the difficulties and the stress and the beauty of marriage? Behavior and stressful conditions. How do they handle finals? (laughs) How do they handle when they don't get the job? How do they handle when something really bad happens in their life? The reputation with others. Talk, Talk to their roommates, former roommates, friends, former friends, other family. Get to know who they are. This is really important to know kind of what you're getting into in terms of who you're marrying. And then this is an interesting one. Are they obedient to authority? If they don't respect police officers and others over them in authority, that says a lot. And you have to really be be discerning about um, how they respect authority. So how do you know when you are ready to actually begin crossing this bridge? And there's no magic age. Your parents have a magic age. It's like 30. You know, I tell my kids they can start dating when they're in their junior or senior of college. Um, And it's more being facetious of don't try to start this too young. Because once you start this relationship stuff, the next step is important to pursue marriage, to actually begin a life together. It's actually meant to be that way. And it's actually not meant to be this horrible, stressful, crazy thing. I look back at the last 20 years, and I am so blessed and so thankful. I do not, honestly don't think I'd be alive today if it weren't for her, her and who she's been through all my stuff. But here's another really important one. When you're willing to stay single. If you're going from relationship to relationship to relationship, it might be a time for you to, stay single, to be single for a while. It's important for you to actually know what it's like to live with you. And especially if you're going to invite someone in to live with you and do life with you. And how how do we build a covenant marriage? Well, here's this middle piece of this bridge. Coupling. So some, this is from Doug Rosenau. He's one of my mentors. He just passed away this past year. Um, so they obviously went to a committee connecting, coupling, covenanting, all the C words, like a good sermon. But um, I love this picture. Instead of dating a courtship, what is coupling? Exclusivity, romance, and dedication to the process of moving down the continuum towards marriage. What if we thought that way? What if we didn't pursue someone unless we really, at this point in time, intend to pursue marriage with them. Not that we, please don't do this, especially guys, don't meet a girl and tell her she's the one and, you know, God told you, something like that. And girls, if that happens, run. (laughs) Oh gosh, I've seen that. Oh, it's horrible. But the steps across this bridge are these, considering, confirming, committing. So we're going to look at these. What is this considering stage? This is still a connecting friendship, a person who's over here, but you're prayerfully considering moving closer towards that middle and towards marriage. Now, once a person has been considered, so the coupling dating process begins. So this this doesn't mean you just sat together in the lunchroom. (laughs) I know that's what it seems like sometimes. You should be able to do that with anybody all the time and different people every time. That's it's, it's funny how the culture that, that looks sometimes. But the goal of a great date is to rebuild respect for one another. It's amazing if we had that word front and center, how it might change what we do or don't do on, in boundaries with someone that we're pursuing. A great date is not centered around entertainment alone, but around quality time. What are you doing with this person? 
but also in a safe environment. Where you go matters. I've yet to see a good date happen in the backseat of a car. Like, it's kind of sad to think about some of the things that we end up doing because we're caught up in passion, void of commitment. A bad date can cost you time, money, and be an annoyance, uh, but a bad courtship can cost you a little piece of your soul. It matters, this process that you go through. So here's some three questions to ask. Do you have a regular quiet time? Are you involved in a Bible-teaching church and do you desire to pursue the same type of spiritual life and or ministry? These are critical questions up front to ask as we're pursuing doing life together. Here's what I hear from a lot of, a lot of you. Oh, but we don't, like to, to, we don't both like hiking or both like sports or both like the exact same things. Good, you're different. Yay! You're supposed to be sexually different and in your likes and dislikes. And, and coming together is going to be a beautiful thing as you're in your difference going to be challenged to be um, stronger, better people. You're not meant to be carbon copies of each other. So careful about, about how you look at some of those things that he likes or things that she likes and the other person doesn't. That's okay. That's actually a beautiful thing. So what is this? So we go from the considering stage to confirming. Well, what is this? This is called the engaged to be engaged this is where there's going to be a ring, but it's not quite a ring yet, but we're basically engaged, you know. Um, con- and what I would say is consider pre-engagement counseling at this point. S- consider at this point talking to some people, one or two or three people you trust, to kind of go, are we on the right track? Do you see anything, especially people that might know you, do you see anything that, that actually could be a red flag that we might need to address? But only ask people that you trust that if they gave you negative feedback, you go, yes, I'm going to listen. My wife and I, at one point, we had met. We got married 10 months after we met. We sat down with this couple in, in her church, and we told them we're considering maybe possibly thinking about getting married. And they erupted in excitement. And my wife was like, if they'd even hesitated, she would have been gone. That's how much she trusted them. Do you have people like that in your life? here's another really hard part about this stage. This is the airing of your dirty laundry. This is where we actually, you're, you're now someone I'm pursuing marriage with, potentially. We're engaged to be engaged. I need to share with you my past. Why? And here's a really important piece of this. I don't want anyone in my past to be able to come into my life today and tell her or tell him anything that I haven't already told you, at least the highlights of. No one. Because here's the critical test. If they can't forgive you for what you've done in the past, they will not be a forgiving person when you hurt them, because you will. You're human. This is a really important test. So you have a moment of airing that dirty laundry, and you might need to be apart for a few days, and then there's this beautiful gift called forgiveness. And if they're able to offer that, hang on to that person. Don't let go. If they can't, run. Because you do not want to partner with someone that can't be forgiving. This is a really important, again, test to this. Here's something that I did during dating my wife. So in the book of Romance, Tommy Nelson states, that he strongly encourages every young man who is in a dating relationship to say to the young woman after four or five dates this statement. I literally was teaching this class, a class like this, when I met my wife. And so our first 12 weeks of dating were me teaching 
three hours of this dating stuff and then her and I walking around this pond outside talking about stuff. It was a great way to start. Love it. Um, but here's what I actually said to her. I don't know if you are the person God has for me to marry, but I want you to know that you are the type of woman I would enjoy spending my life with. I like uh, being with you, and I'm open to seeing if this relationship goes somewhere. If you want to back out of our dating relationship right now, then that's all right. You owe me nothing but honesty. Always give her an out. Always. And guys, if you discover... After a few dates, that a young woman is not the type of person you want to spend your life with, tell her as gently as possible. Don't text her. Be honest about your feelings and forthright about your intentions. The sooner you can do this, the better. First, second, third date, you should be able to kind of judge more about that person. Why? Because you have these things you've looked at ahead of time and you've kind of said, you know what, here are my 20 questions, if you will. And I've been able to see that you're the kind of person I would actually love to get to know more. But as soon as that's a no longer I'm heading towards marriage, my, my advice is run. Be honest. And guy or girl, husband, boy, boy or girl, husband, wife, it doesn't matter. You, not husband, wife, sorry. You're married, you're stuck. <laughs> Dating, relationship. But then the committing stage, what is this? This is that short engagement, not a long engagement. I love talking to couples that are they're engaged. And it's like, we're going to get married in a few years. I'm like, oh gosh. Get married already. And I'm disagreeing with probably half your parents. But um, if you've met someone and this is it, then it's time to get married. And if it's not, break up and wait till later in life. Why? This is the part that, that's scary to me. When we're dating and we're in a dating relationship for long, longer periods of time, our physical involvement tends to go up. And that means more baggage. You're walking into marriage. We do not want to have baggage walking into marriage. The physical touch bonds you in ways that actually clouds judgment. These are some of our, these aren't from our, I couldn't find the ones from when we were dating, but over the first few years of marriage. Um, it's amazing to think about what life's like with a best friend. But you know what? I've been to a lot of men's groups where I'm sitting around the table with a bunch of men who go, you know what? I don't know my wife at all. She's like some foreign alien. And then they are like, yeah, this is the person I have sex with but I don't know her or even know if she likes me or I like her. Breaks my heart. Marry well. Marry a best friend. Marry someone that you want to do life with, that you want to learn from and grow together with. Now let me give you a guarantee. Shanti Feldon, researcher, Harvard researcher, believer, Christian, amazing woman, wrote this book, The Good News About Marriage. There is never, in, in the history of, Amer- of the world, in America specifically, is where her research is focused on, we have not had a 50% divorce rate. At the highest, it's in the 33%. And if you have these things I'm going to show you in just a minute, it gets down into like the 17%. But you and I believe the 50% divorce rate because we can name so many people we know that are divorced. Like it seems to be all, all around us. But that means half of this room literally is going to be end up divorced. It's not true. Don't let people scare you into thinking that. Marriage is one of the healthiest places to be. You're physically healthier. More, your mental health is healthier. All about you is actually healthier by being married well. If you're married not well, God help you. You're in, in for some trouble. It's going to be hard and you have to hang on. 
If you marry someone that's your best friend, it, it's an incredible health benefit because God, that's the way God designed it. We're meant to come together and form marriages, and then those marriages create families because that's the building block of society designed from the beginning, not a social construct. It's designed from the beginning. We live right now in, in a time of an epidemic of loneliness. Some of you right here right now are more lonely than you've ever been on this campus with people all around you. We shouldn't be. And by the way, if you're lonely here, it's going to get worse when you graduate. We need one another. You need a local church. You need to be plugged into a local church. And, they, and guess what? The local church needs you. I love my one-year-olds. That's where I started in my local church when I was the church I could walk to because I didn't have a car. And then later, my fifth and sixth grade choir that I got to cause more trouble than actual help in. Um, I love those groups. But here are some predictors of healthy marriage. If we're, if we're holding the covenant of marriage up, and that's what we want, how do we get there? Your involvement in church actually decreases your, your divorce rate, increases your chances of health. Your relationship with Scripture, God's Word. Do you read your Bible? You know, one of the things I'm trying to do, honestly, right now, is I'm trying to move off using my Bible app. It got too comfortable. I love switching between versions. I was preparing for something recently, and I looked at my, on my desk, I had like six different versions laid out, and I was like, ah, I missed this. Because it's amazing how the print, print Bible, how easy it was to move to the digital. There's something about the print, for me at least. Your relationship with the Bible, God's Word, memorizing God's Word. Saying no to cohabitation. There's an increase in people living together before marriage. Why? It seems logical. Why, why not try it out and we'll see? Well, because it drastically um, increases your divorce rate. Because there's a lack of commitment here. I'm all in and we're, we're, we're in this for, for, for the life. First marriage. Yes, second marriages go up a little bit in divorce rate, but not, much, not as much as we have actually been almost scared into believing. But if it's your first marriage, it's lower. Getting married after 24. Prefrontal cortex, people. Prefrontal cortex. <laughs> it's not developed yet fully. It's still there, kind of. Maybe on and offline here and there. During finals week, it's totally offline. But <laughs> getting married later actually decreases. And here's part of why, too. You know a little more of your direction and what you're going to do. When I met my wife, she owned her own house. She had a great job. She was set. I came in and ruined her life, for, the, for that matter. I messed it up. Um, she had a great life. She was not sitting around waiting to get married, but she also wasn't like your stage of life where it's kind of a lot of unknowns. Um, community of supportive friends and mentors. Do you have people around you? So many of our graduates I've seen graduate from Corbin and they end up in a situation where they have no friends, they have no one around them, they're not involved in a local church, and they have some coworkers that are not believers, and they live in an apartment by themselves. Now, luckily, the apartments are too expensive for you to live by yourselves, so you'll probably need a roommate. <laughs> Sorry, being facetious there, but... <laughs> We need to live in community. You've got to have people around you. And it's critical who those people are that are influencing you. I talked to a graduate uh, yesterday from here who's actually, her parents started saying, you're changing, you're changing, you're changing. And she, she started realizing that she was because of the environment she was in at a different university getting her master's. 
um, she was changing some of her, get, softening her beliefs and getting a lot more permissive of things. And she, she and I talked yesterday and she's looking at switching schools and it's like, I'm so proud of her because she's listening to people in her life that love her. But here's a really cool one. This is from Shanti Felden, college education. There's a lot of push in our world to say college education isn't worth it. What is the point of a college education? To think more deeply. There's professors you have, there's others in, in your life that you may not even agree with. Great. Dialogue about it. We need to learn. Maybe we should require debate, that, that class. We need to learn how to debate and disagree and talk um, and not chop each other's heads off verbally because someone doesn't agree with us to interact with information that we don't understand or don't agree with. We need to learn to do that. Because you know what? You're going to marry someone that they're, they're not going to be exactly like you. So how do you do life together and even disagree? Um, college education actually helps you do a lot of that. We need to know history. We need to understand um, all these different subjects, liberal arts education, that actually helps us, um, think, again, think more deeply. This is a really interesting snapshot right here. You do these things, you'll have a very different future in terms of this. Do you want to bring someone from connecting to coupling, which is considering, confirming, committing, to covenanting? Do you want to see someone that's your best friend that you get to do life with, that you're honored to have by your side? And I promise it's worth it. I spent so many years in tears and so many years in a mess because to me God wasn't living up to the bargain. Ironically, I was already doing marriage counseling and sex therapy and all this stuff, and I'm this single virgin going, God, what's wrong? You're weird. And he knew what I, he needed to do in my life, and he knew what he was doing in Kelly's life to then bring us together. I would challenge you to talk to professors and staff and others around you here and learn their stories. What makes them who they are? Because of some of the things that they've been through in life actually shaped, has shaped them more than anything. The struggles in their marriages, the struggles in their, in their life all shape each of us. Same for you. And you're bringing those together with someone to do something that God designed from the beginning, that of covenanting, building a life together. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is who we're supposed to be how we're supposed to live in community with others, how we're supposed to impact others in, in how we do our life. So as we even head into finals right now, the stress is up. Okay? How are you going to actually still do two things that I tell my classes all the time? Some of you need to ignore your friends until after finals and get stuff done. <laughs> others of you actually need to go to the movies and go bowling and go do something, go skiing, go and then come back and what was going to take you six hours will take you one hour because you're refreshed. We need, each need different things to finish well. But then another semester starts and another season starts. And God's design of seasons actually kind of forces that as well to us to pursue something different in each season. If this is the season where God's opening the door for you to build a relationship, be all in, do it, but do it in community. What I tell some of my um, clients over the, over the last many years has been, you need to actually have, a, some of you need a committee around you. 
Because who you attract or who you want to date isn't healthy. Why? That's what trauma does. That's what harm does. That's what things in our life do to us where we don't tend to have a really good radar for that. Have people that love you, that help guide you. Because there's not a stage of life that we're, that we're supposed to do this alone. My heart and passion is the areas of human sexuality, marriage, trauma. If you want to know more from me, these are the classes I teach. This is what I, I do. I love being able to influence and talk to and wrestle with stuff, but it's not all fun. Like the trauma stuff, goodness gracious. What person in their right mind talks about trauma? Someone that actually sees that God's all about redemption. And so I invite you, if you want to, to sign up. I'd love to have you in any of these classes because my goal is to help equip you for whatever it is that God has for you in the next season. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for each student here in their life. Thank you how, for how you are shaping them and, and preparing them for the next stage of life. May they all be uh, disciple makers, Lord. May they be men and women that influence others towards, um, towards you, towards knowing you, wanting to know, know you uh, in a much more deeper way, Lord. Thank you for bringing them here to Corbin at, at a time like, as, such as this for a season as this, and I just thank you so much for what you're doing, Lord. Help them develop strong relationships that last a lifetime, friendships as well as uh, what you're doing in the more intimate uh, covenanting, Lord. Thank you for the faculty and staff, the influence of um, all of us around here, and how, how shaping they are to all of us, including um, including me. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. All right, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Lives Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.